We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Guess what? Rapid fire. It's rapid fire time. That's right. So here's what an anonymous head coach told Athlon Magazine about Notre Dame. Quote, the quarterback is more of what they want in that system. They're better when they can run around at that position. End quote. Do you buy or sell that? Um, I buy I buy that for the type of offense that Brian Kelly wanted to run. I think Brian Kelly's offenses ran better when he had a quarterback that could use his feet a little bit more and be a little bit more mobile. I don't know if I'm ready to buy that for the current, you know, Tommy Reese. This is Tommy Reese's first year as kind of in charge of the whole thing. You know, I know he's been the offensive coordinator, but he still had Brian Kelly breathing down his neck, you know, the last <laughs> the last few years. And uh-huh. he's the head coach. And at the end of the day, he has, you know, the ultimate say if he if a play gets called in and he doesn't want it. He's not going to call that play. So I think I need to see more this season as, you know, Marcus Freeman's first year as head coach, Tommy Reese taking full control of the reins and seeing what this offense kind of looks like, because this is going to be Tommy Reese's offense. So how that's designed, I hope, you know, I hope that's designed around Buckner's talents, which it should be. And yes, Buckner can run the ball, but I think in the past, Brian Kelly's offenses seem to run better slash he wanted quarterbacks that could be a little bit more mobile in the pocket. No, I mean, that's a great point. It's like what people are used to seeing from this offense, you know, is is Brian Kelly's system. And, you know, I, I do think that he wanted a mobile quarterback. And, that, you know, they've got Tyler Buckner. But as we've talked about a lot before, and we didn't get, a, you know, a chance to get to today – you know, we were going to talk a little bit more about like Tommy Reese and some of the things that he's looked at, but this is, you know, it's going to be a Tommy Reese offense. And what Tommy Reese is so good at is playing to the strengths of the personnel that he has, but specific to this team, a mobile quarterback is going to help this team run the ball better. And, you know, one, it's a good sign that it's, it sounds like Logan Diggs is going to be ready for the Ohio State game and not, you know, have to wait until a month into the season. At least that's the plan for right now. We'll see when he actually gets out of the red jersey at practice and, you know, is actually able to kind of absorb some contact. But 
we saw when you know again it was package stuff but we saw what what Tyler Buckner can do with the ball in his hands and you know that that read option and and you know the fact that that now it's a viable very viable threat that the quarterback is going to pull that thing and he's going to take off for 50 yards downfield i think that opens up a lot of things because you know again one of the biggest questions about Tyler Buckner just like in the Virginia Tech game last year, when it's third and long and you've got to convert a first down, what's he going to be able to do? You know, can he complete that pass? You know, is, is he going to be able to, you know, make the reads quickly enough? How accurate is he going to be? Well, it's it's a it's it's a well-known fact, and you know, you can speak to this as well, that the better you run the ball, you naturally become better on third down. You're in more manageable third down situations and so he can help that greatly so you know I, I i agree to what you're saying like this is a tommy reese offense but specific to this quarterback and the kind of dynamic playmaking that he brings and i mean look across college football you know for the most part you've got a you know you've you've got a lot of mobile quarterbacks out there and so i think that 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 he can really help take this offense to another level with with what he's able to bring yeah, I mean, you know, not in, not only looking at the college level, but look at some of the the last you know four or five years of the elite NFL quarterbacks: Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, yeah. Josh Allen. What do all those guys have in common? Is they can use their feet as a last resort if they need to. They can pick up those yards if the if the pocket is collapsing. They can roll out and make and make you know throws on the run. So I don't think it's a dig you know at, at Notre Dame that their quarterbacks are more mobile and more of the running type. But you also hit a good point earlier, is, and this is why I've been kind of preaching this, is Notre Dame needs to establish the run game so they can get to second and five, third and three. So those passes mm -hmm. for Buckner are very manageable because, like you said, what is Buckner going to do when it's third and 12 and the whole stadium knows you're passing? Right. You know, that's that's going to be his hardest situations this year, and I think that's where we're going to see kind of his talent level and his growth is what is he going to do when the entire stadium knows that the run is not an option? You know, I get it every now and then you run a third and long draw or whatever you try to catch, you know, teams right. off guard. But what can he do when the entire stadium knows that he is going to have to pass the ball? And, you know, I, I think that that is going to be the biggest question mark this year, because if they can establish the run and get into some short down situations and really let him, you know, kind of work off those RPO looks and, 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 you know, still be a threat to run the ball, but also be able to throw with accuracy on third and short. I think that that's how they're going to have their most success this year. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'll go ahead and use this. We're, uh, you know, I was going to use this in the first segment, but I'll go since we're kind of on this subject right now. I think it's worth bringing up with Tommy Reese and kind of, you know, he he tries to stay ahead of the curve with what he's done. So here's a question that came up with Tommy Reese in his latest uh, media availability a couple of days ago at training camp, and uh, just listen to the kind of studying that he does trends year in and year out defensively that we'll spend a good deal of time on in the offseason to understand because usually it's a two-year buffer period you see something one year the second year that's when everything's going to start happening right we saw that with the 3-5-3 and 3-3-5 defense over the last couple years you know that will evolve Um, watch a ton of opponent film probably more college film this year than in the past Um, I've always kind of trended myself towards watching more NFL game and more of that type of system. And I certainly did, you know, like last year I watched every snap of every NFL team. Wow. So, but this year that, that wasn't the, that wasn't the priority. There was other things that we were prioritizing. Um, You know, we want to constantly try to find new ways and we have a great staff that brings ideas that all have other areas to study and collaboratively we try to find new ways to enhance what we're doing. How many different college offenses do you think or defenses or, or either? Yeah, defense, we focus on a couple that were very specific. And then, uh, you know, offenses, you know, there's probably six or eight that, you know, you dive into and probably six or eight more NFL teams that you try to do a study on and, and find what fits you and find what doesn't, right? I mean, it's it's uh, it's fun. You know, I don't know, like maybe not for everyone, but like <laughs> dude, there's, worse time, there's worse things to be doing with your time. So, Jess, you know, I don't know about you, but I, when I listen to that and I hear the fact that Tommy Reese watched every snap of every NFL team last offseason, not this summer, but last summer, and, you know, he's he's watching proactively, you know, other college teams as well. It's it's For me, it's not hard to see how he is able, you know, again, to play to the strengths of the personnel that he has because he's looked at virtually everything at that point. It's like, Oh, I can do this with this guy. I can do this with that guy. What do you think? No, I think that in, in, especially in college sports and more specifically college football, it's an adapt or kind of drown type of situation is, you know, like he was getting at defenses are always ever changing. They're always finding ways to kind of come at you and, and, and disguise the look. So you have to kind of almost be ready for a lot of things. And, uh, offensively, you know, we've talked about this before, especially at the NFL level. It takes, I mean, you know, the, like the Lamar Jackson, he really succeeded the first year because there was no film out on him. Mm-hmm. Once the film is out there and there's everyone watching, you know, it, there there are so many great minds in, in college and NFL football who can schematically, you know, over time find a way to beat you. And so as that's an kind of offense, what he was saying, you know, it goes in those you know, two year cycles kind of thing. Right. So as an offense, you have to do something that is 
kind of shaking things up year by year or else teams are going to have the tape on you and they're going to know exactly how to defend you. So I, I really appreciate and kind of respect his his commitment on that level of, you know, one, being a, being prepared for what defenses are going to be throwing at him year in and year out, but then also being able to change up the look of his offense year in and year out. So that way defenses, you know, have a little bit harder of a time against them or they present things that they might not be prepared for. Yeah, And that's I when agree. you get a, you get a defensive coordinator on the sideline with the dryer race board going crazy because, <laughs> you know, it's not a play that you, you, you drew up, you know, the whole week of practice is you, you scout and you have just about every play in their playbook and you know, you're going to, how you're going to defend it. And so when a team comes out with something you've never seen before, all hell kind of breaks loose because you can't really blame the players. Well, you can, but at the same time, they weren't, you know, they weren't practiced to defend that play. And yeah. so obviously the offense saw something and came up with that design to exploit defensively what you were going to, you know, how you were going to line up to that play. Yep. Okay. ESPN.com has an article up and they rank schools based on how they churn out players at each position position. So they rank the top five schools for each position on the football field. So basically they're, they're determining this is quarterback. You, this is running back. You, that kind of thing. And, you know, so they did it starting in 1998. So the last 24 years and some of the criteria that they that went into this ranking schools got points for all conference and all America selections. Uh, they got points for being drafted, weighted by round, you know, so obviously if you had a first round, you know, a guy get drafted in the first round, you know, that weighs more heavily in your favor. Success at the next level was a factor, but for that, they only took the first four years of a player's NFL career. Here's the thing, though. They ranked the top five schools at every position on the football field. Notre Dame did not make the top five for either tight ends or offensive linemen. What do you think about that? You know, when I first saw this, I was kind of like, Outrage because I was like, how is Notre Dame not on this list considering it seems like the last, you know, 10 years or so, all they've done is, you know, spit out tight ends, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, and occasionally, you know, some some other positions here and there. But then you start to look at, you know, this goes back to 1998 in the late 1990s and early 2000s were some of kind of the, you know, the darker years for Notre Dame until until, you know, Brian Kelly got here with. Tyron Willingham and Charlie Weiss. And yeah, sure, Tyrone and Charlie both had a couple, you know, good seasons here and there. But, you know, Charlie Weiss was all about what kind of offense was he throwing out there and, you know, what kind of playmakers was he putting out at quarterback and running back and wide receiver. And so when you look, when when it goes back that far, yeah, I, I kind of understand them not being on the list. But if you look at the last 10, 15 years and you can't mention Notre Dame for offensive linemen or tight ends, well, I think you're kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, obviously, now I didn't go and, like, here are the top five tight end schools, according to this article. Miami is number one with 13 tight ends drafted since 2000. Okay, Iowa's number two, Stanford is number three, Florida number four, Missouri is number five. Okay, so Miami had 13 tight ends drafted since 2000. So, again, they started this data, or, you know, they started this thing, they went back to 1998 rather than, just 2000. Notre Dame's had 14 tight ends drafted since 1998. Five in the second round, one in the first round, 
one in the third. Now they didn't have any All Americans, you know, but like Tyler Eifert was their highest drafted guy. The unfortunate thing for Tyler Eifert, of course, is the fact that you know he had all the injuries early in his career. When he was healthy, those first two or three years, he was producing like nobody's business. But he just couldn't stay healthy, and ultimately, you know, couldn't you know couldn't stay on the field. But you know, like. You, you go back, Anthony Fasano, John Carlson, Kyle Rudolph, drafted in the second round, still playing, Eifert, Troy Nicholas, Ben Koyak, Durham Smythe, Alizé Mack, Cole Komet, Tommy Tremble. I mean, there's a lot of, lot of I don't know that I'd say relevant tight ends, but you there were a lot of, you know, second round tight ends. Missouri is number five on this list. Now, again, I didn't go back and look at every tight end for Missouri drafted since 1998. But I've got to I've, I've got to think that that Notre Dame's list is more impressive than whatever Missouri's going to throw out there. You know? Yeah, I think what's really hurting Notre Dame in, in these situations is the fact that they got points or the scoring was based off of all conference and all American. And I think that's what hurt them is they've had a couple standout guys like Eifert and Rudolph, who I you know, I don't know specifically if they were all American or, you know, all conference or any of that stuff. But I, I would have to assume that they were in those conversations. But the rest of those guys, not really. So I think that is where they're getting kind of maybe dinged is the fact that they don't have, you know, those All-Americans. But at the same time, they have the quantity. They have the people getting drafted year in and year out at the tight end position. Yeah. Offensive line, Alabama's number one on this list. 20 offensive linemen drafted just since Nick Saban took over in 2007. Wisconsin, number two. I mean, they're basically known for their offensive lines. Ohio State, number three, followed by Oklahoma and Michigan. Okay. I mean, pretty good company there. Notre Dame's had 22 offensive linemen drafted since 1998. Six in the first round, three in the second round. Since 2014, you know, really, since I think they have really, to me, become one of the premier offensive line schools in the country. Now, again, that's that's a you know, that, that's basically what, about a third of the time that we're talking about in this span that goes back to 1998. But still, four first-round picks Notre Dame has had since 2014. Three second-round picks, two third-round picks. And, of course, those guys that we're talking about more recently, you know, like go back to Ryan Harris. There's a Super Bowl champ with the Broncos. But, you know, like Zach Martin, first-round pick, you know, because – the first four years of a career are what's weighted in this thing. Well, Zach Martin was a first-team All-Pro in each of his first four years in the NFL. He's been first-team All-Pro five times, second-team All-Pro once. He was on the 2010s All-Decade team, and he was drafted in 2014. So he played a little bit more than half of that decade, and he was on the All-Decade team. You know, so uh, eight years he's been – either first or second team all pro, not just pro bowl, but all pro seven of his eight years. Quentin Nelson, of course, number six overall pick, first team all pro three times, second team all pro once. That's his entire career right there. He's either been first or second team all pro. And then, of course, you've got like Liam Eikenberg, a second round pick, Mike McGlinchey, who was an all rookie selection, drafted ninth overall in the same draft as Quentin Nelson. So, you know, again, I realize it's a lot more recent with those guys, you know, so maybe that hurts Notre Dame 
you know, when you track it against some of those other schools like Michigan and Wisconsin and, and those schools that they've got ahead of them. But again, it just seems really hard to fathom that when you've got 22 offensive linemen drafted in the time period that they're talking about, that they're not worthy of, of at least being in the top five. And, you know, oh, by the way, they did win the Joe Moore Award, you know, just a few years ago as the best offensive line in the nation. So, you yeah, know, I think, I, go ahead. I think an interesting metric to maybe look at here is not past success, but maybe success once you get into the NFL. I think that's the metric that would be more valuable because it hits on, you know, the Quentin Nelsons, the Tyler Eiferts, the Zach Martins. You know, I think it's more because a lot of times these schools get get guys drafted because of, you know, their reputa- reputation as a school. And I'm not, you know, Notre Dame really can't use that as a crutch because a lot of, you know, they, they're nationally recognized and stuff too. But when you're Alabama and everyone knows that you've had good linemen, you know, for the last five years, maybe the sixth year, that guy isn't very good, but he's getting drafted because, because oh, the they've been good the last five years. So yeah. I think what you have to look at is, success once you hit the nfl not just getting there and your your college stuff because you know quite frankly that's not that to say that that's the easy part but the hard stuff really starts when you're in the nfl and everyone's a professional how are you yeah. playing when everyone is a professional yeah no kidding okay so john bon jovi came to notre dame's training camp over the weekend to give the irish a little pep talk maybe you saw the the uh the stuff on video they were doing the karaoke living living on a prayer and all that Good stuff. So you're closer to the age of the players, you know, on this current team. You're in your mid-20s. So what entertainer would you want to come see fire the team up if you were going to make the choice? See, this is this is tough because there's there's so many different ways you can go with this. And you also kind of have to look at, you know, the backstory of Bon Jovi and why he's relevant to Notre Dame and, and right. all those things and the accessibility of getting him there and, and all of those things. But if we're talking about today's modern era, I think you have to go with maybe an entertainer that is more relatable or maybe of the music genre that a lot of these players uh, listen to. And that's, you know, more of the hip hop pop kind of stuff. And so that's the kind of entertainer I would look at. I don't know if I have a specific name, but I know that those guys would you know, someone of that caliber would pr- bring more juice or more energy to the players and, and potentially kind of get things fired up. And not to say that Bon John, you know, John Bon Jovi was kind of is corny in some regards, but to some of these players, oh. and, you know, especially in these guys, they get younger and younger and Bon Jovi just gets older and older. And so it's like, yeah. how many of these guys actually really know a Bon Jovi or maybe even listen to one of his songs? So I would just have to go with someone who's just more current Maybe someone who's some, you know, guys listen to you hear the music that they listen to when they're warming up or in the locker room or that kind of stuff. So that is kind of the route I would go that I think would really kind of like get these guys hyped up and get them fired up as if, you know, like a Drake came to the practice or, you know, someone someone of that kind of statue. But then again, it's like, how are you going to get him out to a Notre Dame football practice? So it's like I had a hard time finding the line of what was reasonable and who would still excite the players at the same time. Yeah, I'm not knocking John Bon Jovi at all. Don't get me wrong, you know, because like John, you know, Bon Jovi was huge back at the end of when I was in high school. You know, you, you had Slippery When Wet, their biggest album, and and you know, Living on a Prayer, and and you know, Wanted Dead or Alive, and all that stuff on on that album. But but it's 
it's just odd now, like looking at, at John Bon Jovi and, you know, instead of the, you know, the frizzled, you know, 80s perm hair that he had, you've got gray hair, you know, long gray hair coming out of the bottom of the cap, you know, and that's kind of what stood out to me is seeing him up there in front of those guys. It's just like, you know, like Charlie Weiss brought in John Bon Jovi, you know, it's been like, what, 16, 17 years ago, and he was blaring Bon Jovi at, you know, at practices and all that kind of stuff so it just it's uh, the age demo is maybe a little bit off even though you know jesse bon jovi you know played here just a few years ago and he came back with with his dad over the weekend and and all that so it's always cool when you can get a big celebrity like that but you know like i said i just think that you know maybe so you know like even even will smith you know like For all the Will Smith stuff, like you know, like Will Smith might might fire him or up, or like Dwayne the Rock Johnson, or like there you Ke- go, like there a, you, go. you know, like a Kevin Hart. You know, yeah, he's funny, but he also is very inspirational at the same time. So, right, those are guys who I think might be a little bit more feasible, who are deemed kind of entertainers. You know, the Rock can fire up just about anyone. Yeah, for sure. Just that outfit that he wore before the Super Bowl last year. I oh, I not, hated it. I the maroon on the maroon. On I still talk about that. I, I was good. talking about that like two weeks ago. Someone was like, "Hey, do you remember when The Rock, uh, you know, opened the Super Bowl?" And I was like, "Do you remember him wearing that monochrome, burgundy right. color? Like, who goes? <laughs> you know, I hate monochrome, but then to like go with a color like burgundy uh, for the Super Bowl, I just just very strange." Yeah. Oh, John Cena. Okay, I like. I I don't. That's that's a pretty good one, right there. Uh, yeah, you know. Salty, you're right. Gray hair does happen to all of us, and that is one of the reasons that I'm wearing a hat right now. So I'm not knocking, again, I'm not knocking gray hair, you know, because I'm just a little bit younger than John Bon Jovi myself. You know, Again, I'm closer to his age demographic. Like if, if it was me in college 30 years ago, John Bon Jovi makes perfect sense back then. But I'm talking about 18 to 22 year olds i think that maybe there's somebody you know somebody else that they might be able to relate to a little bit kenny says agree the rock would be great i think you might have hit the nail on the head with the rock yeah everyone keeps bringing up that he's a miami guy and the u and all that stuff he's past that you know the rock is kind of i just think he's a very kind of inspirational guy like likes to help and talk to as many people as possible um and, and just kind of share you know his story and where kind of hard work and dedication can get you. Yeah. Brian says if Snoop's uh, son <laughs> would have come um, as a Kansas alum, do you remember what happened when Snoop went to, uh, <laughs> went to KU uh, a, a few years ago, they, they had the stripper pulls out and I don't think Snoop is ever going to be back again. <laughs> so <laughs> that might not be the way to go here at Notre Dame. Yeah. The, the Snoop's not invited to any PG 13 events anymore. No, no. Not at all. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Fill in the blank. It's blank that Pat McAfee is going to do Manning cast-like broadcasts for six big-time college football games on ESPN2 this season. I think it's fun that, you know, Pat McAfee is going to do this, and I, I don't think that there's a better person to do it because Pat McAfee brings that energy every single game, and these are going to be big-time games. So I think he fits the role perfectly. I think, you know, he's good at what he does. He has, you know, that nothing can embarrass that guy. You know, I, I don't think that uh, – He's he's kind of built for situations like this. He enjoys the big stage. He likes being up there. He likes being able to share his enthusiasm with the people. I think it'll be a little bit different than the Manning cast because obviously the Mannings are a little bit awkward and you know kind of more reserved. Eli more so than Peyton. Um, but yeah, I just really think that it's going to be a good time for everyone. I think there's going to be the excitement. I think there's going to be the insight. I think there's going to kind of be the no filter situation. So I'm all in for it. Overall, I think it's going to be a fun time. I think it will too. I'm 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 really anxious to see these, and you know, like for that matter, Pat McAfee might have been the answer to the last question as well. You know, like he's probably someone, you know, that that uh, younger players, you know, could could relate to. He's got the playing background. He does his own thing. He's got a huge platform. You know, he's out there, you know, both in podcast and just everywhere. And of course, he's got the connection to Aaron Rodgers. As well, and it's interesting. I was reading about how this happened, and apparently, you know, a lot of these different platforms like Amazon and you know some other places came in, and they basically, you know, like sent in the executives, you know, you know, with with their you know little PowerPoint presentations about here's what we can do for you if you do something like this for us, and you know all this kind of stuff. And McAfee was just kind of like, eh, you know, I'm not really in on any of that, and then. Peyton Manning came in. This is going to be, you know, Peyton Manning's production group, Omaha Productions. This is going to be an Omaha production thing. So it's the same production company that produces the actual Manning cast is going to be producing this McAfee cast, whatever they're going to end up calling it. And because of the relationship that Peyton Manning had, that's how this whole thing came about. So I'm really, you know, he is... He is an X factor, man. He is he is somebody who talks differently and does things differently. And, you know, he's he's not someone that, you you know, you, you kind of put in a corner. And so I think he's he, it's going to be really fun to see this. And again, he's going to do it on ESPN, two for six. What they're saying, quote unquote, big time college football games this season. So I'm really I'm really anxious and, and curious to see what this is going to look like, you know, like. Maybe it's even going to be the season opener when Notre Dame plays Ohio State. Who knows if they're, you know, if they're the big time games, maybe, maybe they do something for that because, you know, that's, that's going to be on, you know, one of the, one of the, you know, ESPN slash ABC channels. I assume it's going to be on ABC, you know, but that's obviously, you know, what owns ESPN. So I'm all for it. I want to see what it's going to look like. Yeah, I mean, same. I, he's going to have uh, my viewership. I know I'll at least tune in every time that he's on. And I mean, that's the whole point of it. Create something that, you know, 
produces viewership. All right. Well, we will go ahead and wrap it up with that tonight. Jess, always great to have you on. A lot of great insight, you know, especially on uh, a lot of the defensive stuff that we were talking about tonight and uh, look forward to it. We'll, uh, you know, we've got more training camp obviously coming up. We've, we've got some uh, practice availabilities coming up this weekend and uh, looking forward to you chiming in once again next week. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. This is honestly my favorite time of the year. Uh, I love, you know, the training camp. It's only going to get better from here. The more we're only going to have more to talk about. And I think that, uh, you know, the sound clips were great today. Hearing that insight into being able to talk about, you know, the things we hear is is always a good time. But it's it's only going to get better from here. This is like scratching the surface. We're just going to kind of get deeper and deeper and deeper. So I'm interested to see where that takes us. That's right. Just getting started. We're still in week one of training camp right now, so we've got a ton more stuff coming up very soon. Don't forget, hit that like button, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It helps out the Irish Breakdown channels. We uh, appreciate you stopping by for today's show, and we will talk to you once again tomorrow. Vince will be back tomorrow, and uh, so he'll be in. We'll talk to you then on Ivy Nation Sports Talk.